Thank you for your words of welcome this morning and your invitation to come and join with you in fellowship together around, around God's word this morning and this evening as well. Um, we have been a few times on holiday, uh, but we have usually sat down near the back there and enjoyed your service. It's a little different this morning, but I trust that you will enjoy and that the Lord will bless us together and help us because our eyes are very much fixed on him. We're going to read together Genesis chapter 18, please, not the whole chapter, but some verses from it. We're entering into the life of Abraham here, and he's outside his tent door in the heat of the day. I don't think you would be cooking and tenting at the moment in our country uh, with all the rain we've had, Uh, but nevertheless, um, in other places there's plenty of warm weather. So uh, Abram was outside his tent door in the heat of the day. He's visited by some heavenly visitors, and a conversation arises. Uh, So let's look together, please, at Genesis chapter 18 and read together from verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto Abram in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, bowed himself toward the ground. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts, after that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hasted unto, in, into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, and knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he, dressed, he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abram, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Amen. We conclude a reading, and we always trust the Lord to add his own blessing. Let's bow briefly, please, for a word of prayer together. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. We praise you for your promise that where two or three are gathered in your name, that thou art there in the midst. But we confess, Lord, sometimes we sense your presence more tangibly than others. And we thank thee, Lord, we have sensed your presence with us this morning as we've gathered together in your house with one another and with thee. 
We thank you, Lord, for that everlasting love we've been singing about there in our final hymn before we read thy word. And we bless you this morning that we are loved with that everlasting love. We bless you, Lord, for your precious word that we have read together. We thank thee, Lord, for um, um, your word which teaches us the way in which we are to live and how we are to walk and how we are to fulfill your will for our lives. And Father, we do ask, O God, as we turn to your word this morning, that thou will give us light upon it. We pray for help as we consider it. I ask that you will lead me and guide me, and I pray that you will take your word and direct it to each of our hearts and each of our lives, as thou dost see the need of each and every one, both young and old, and in between. This morning, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I wonder, have you ever faced something uh, that seemed just too hard in your estimation for you to do? Uh, maybe it's a, a situation that's just too difficult to cope with, and you could divine it as being something which is just too hard. Uh, maybe it's, it's a job that you have had to, uh, to accomplish, and you find that's too hard uh, for you to do. And maybe it's a person that you work with, or that you live beside, and they're just too hard to, uh, just too hard to work with, just too hard to cope with. I'm sure we all have situations and circumstances that we could all think of, and really you would define them as being just too hard. And uh, we discover here for a couple in God's Word, many of you will know who they are. We read of them this morning, uh, Abram and his wife Sarah. They face a situation just like that, in their personal lives. Um, they both had now reached old age, we're told, uh, in this portion of Scripture we read together, and uh, they had as yet uh, no family. And in fact, at the mention of such a possibility, both Abram and Sarah just laughed at the very idea of it, because biologically speaking, it was something that was just too hard it was, humanly speaking, absolutely impossible, especially at their age. We find in Genesis 17 and 16 to 17, when the Lord mentioned this to Abraham, he fell on his face and he laughed. And then the portion we've read together here this morning, uh, we discover that Sarah did exactly the same whenever she overheard what the heavenly messenger had said to Abraham about the possibility of a son she overheard it in the tent, behind the tent door, and she also laughed as well, not out loud, but inwardly. And uh, this was just something too hard. I mean, can you blame them for behaving or acting just like the way in which they did and thinking the way in which they thought? The heavenly visitor, however, who had arrived at Abraham's tent door, goes on then to challenge Abraham and Sarah in the form of a question. And that question is found in verse 14. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? It was a very thought-provoking question, I think. And also it is a very faith-challenging question. We have no record whatever of what, how Abram and Sarah replied. If they did reply, we're not told. But certainly it must have been a question that made them very think very deeply. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And it's a question that makes you and I think very deeply too. And it also challenges our faith very deeply as well. Is there anything that's too hard 
for the Lord? That's what I want to share with you this morning, some thoughts around that question by way of answer. And I trust it might be an encouragement and inspiration uh, to your faith. The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter uh, 32 and verses 17 to 19, he gives us an answer. If you want one answer, you'll find it there. We discovered Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17 to 19. Our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. On down in verse 18, he says, The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name, great in counsel and mighty in his work. Is there anything too hard for the Lord in the light of what Jeremiah says? There's nothing too hard for him who has made the heaven and the earth by his great power and by his stretched out arm. There is nothing too hard for him who is great and the, the great and mighty God, great in his counsel, great in his name, wonderful and mighty and great in his work. Let's look at an answer to the question in the light of the Easter message. And do that with the words of the hymn writer, Rodney Lowry, a hymn I'm sure many of you know and would sing from time to time, not just at Easter time. And the words go like this, death cannot hold its prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars of, uh, away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Is there anything too hard for the Lord who has broken the seal, tore the bars of death away, who arose a victor from the dark domain, who lives forever with his saints to reign? The honest, truthful answer this morning has to be, there is nothing too hard for him, and the empty tomb is there to prove it. Death could not hold its prey. He tore the bars away. Now, if that is true, and it is absolutely, how can you and I apply the truth of that in a practical and helpful way to our lives, to our situations, to our circumstances that you and I face in everyday living? Well, I want to share with you just a few thoughts this morning about that. We can do that by recognizing a few notable things. And the first I'll leave with you is this. There is no promise that is too hard for the Lord to fulfill. There is no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. If you take another look at God's servants, Abraham and Sarah, concerning this son. Abraham was, according to Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was 75 years old when God called him to leave his homeland and journey to a land that he would show him. And that was when the first mention of God's promise was made to Abraham concerning what he was going to do. We read in Genesis 12 and 2 what the Lord said to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. But this man had no family. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. We discover when they arrive in the land, uh, Abram and Sarah and nephew Lot, we discover the land was the land of Canaan, of course, 
And there we find the Lord appears to Abraham again in 12 and 7 of Genesis. Unto thy seed will I give this land. But there wasn't any seed. The Lord promised unto thy seed I will give this land. Skip forward then to Genesis chapter 17 and verse 16. And we read that the Lord repeated the promise again. Now it's a bit more light on it. I will bless her, that's Sarah, and give thee a son. My understanding is the first mention is made of a son. Skip forward then to Genesis chapter um, 18, where we read together this morning. And we find in verse 10, the Lord promises again, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Skip forward now to Genesis 21, which is one year on from Genesis 18. And we find it was a promise the Lord did fulfill as he had said. What did we read in Genesis 21 and 1 to 3? The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Note those words. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Notice those words. And Sarah conceived and bare Abram a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And notice in verse 5 what age Abraham is now. Abram was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. What age was Abram when the first hint of a promise of God concerning that the Lord would make of him a great nation? Well, Genesis 12 tells us he was 75. What age is he now when the promise is fulfilled? Well, Genesis 18 and 21 rather and 5 tells us he was 100. Take 75 from 100, what have you got? You needn't shout it out loud. Well, you can if you like. I'm sure there's no rule against that. But it's 25. I never was much good at maths, but I can do that wee bit. 75 from 100 is 25. Wonder where Abram and Sarah attempted to think. Such a long period of delay. Such a long period of waiting. Was this a promise too hard to fulfill. Well, it would appear at first sight that Sarah might have felt a bit like that or did feel a bit like that because in Genesis 16, she gets impatient. And in her impatience, she gives her handmaid Hagar to Abram that he might have children by her. Abram, on the other hand, seemed to handle the long delay differently to Sarah because we read in Romans chapter 4, Verses that many of you will know, or at least some of you will know, Romans chapter 4 and 20 to 21, where the Apostle Paul gives us some light on Abraham and how he handled this long delay in the promise being fulfilled. Romans chapter 4 and 20 to 21, and there we read these words. He staggered not, that's, that's Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but were strong in faith, giving glory to God being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. It would seem clear to us, I think, that Abram handled 20 long years without seeing the promise being fulfilled by holding on to it with strong faith in God. It also would seem that Sarah must have got steadied up in her faith as well Because the writer to the Hebrews, chapter 11 and 11, says of her, by faith she received strength to conceive. So it's clear, is it not, that both Abram and Sarah were persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform 
in his way and in his time, and he did. They both had got to the place in their walk with God that they believed that there was, they had to believe there was no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill, no matter how hard it seemed to be. The reason they believed that was because they had to believe by faith that there was nothing too hard for the Lord. That has to be why that we're told that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. You turn to Joshua chapter 6, just one other little illustration here before I sum this we point up. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 5 There you'll find the Lord promised Joshua something completely different now. The mighty walls of Jericho would fall down with just the sound of a trumpet, sound of trumpets and the shout of people. And then we discover in Joshua Joshua chapter 6 and verse 17 that he would spare, the Lord promised that he would spare the house of Rahab and the family, her family, who lived on the walls of Jericho. The question was, how could the sound of a trumpet and the shout of voices make walls fall down? How could one house built on the walls be left standing and the family in that house be kept alive when every other house on the wall would be destroyed and everyone else would be destroyed as well? Humanly speaking, that was a promise too hard to fulfill but it wasn't too hard for the Lord. Because we discover in Joshua chapter 6 and verses 20 to 25 there, verse 20 particularly, we read, the walls fell down flat at the sound of the trumpets and the shout of voices. And in verse 25, just as the Lord promised, Rahab and her house will have brought out sin. One other example for you from God's word. 1 Kings chapter 17 the Lord promised something completely different. Now a man called Elijah. And he promised him that he would command the ravens to feed him at the brook Cherith every day. Now how could ravens bring food to Elijah that was fit for human consumption? I mean, if Brian announced today there was going to be a Sunday lunch after church and the ravens were going to bring it, you would say, go and get your head sorted out, Jim or Brian. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing. Also, how could ravens do that every morning and every evening? Surely that was a promise too hard. But was it too hard for the Lord? First Kings 17 and 6. The ravens brought bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. There are many other examples we could turn to this morning of promises the Lord made. And in his time and in his will and in his way, he fulfilled what he had spoken. And the God who promised Abraham and Joshua and Elijah and many, many others, we haven't time to consider them this morning, is the God who still makes promises. And he gives them to his people. And he does that through his word. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 20, all the promises of God are in him that is in Christ. Yea and amen to the glory of God by us. Perhaps the Lord has given someone a promise. 
And my, it seems too hard for that ever to be fulfilled. How can we apply a practical answer to the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord in that situation? Well, by faith, embrace and hold on to the promise. Don't stagger at it, because there is no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill in his will, in his way, and in his time. That brings us to a promise the Lord made in John 14 and 3. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And the Lord Jesus, who came to be our Savior, to die for our sins, and to rise from the dead, and to ascend to the right hand of God, has promised, I will come again. Fast forward over 2,000 years. It hasn't happened yet. He has promised it will happen. Does that mean it's a promise that's too hard for the Lord after 2,000 years or more? 2 Peter 3 and 9 to 10 gives us some light on that. The Lord is not slack or he's not loose or he's not remiss concerning his promise. That's the promise of his coming. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And friends, this morning, sooner or later, the Lord will keep his promise The trumpet will sound. Sorry, I've just put my hand in my pocket and it touches the wee box. And that's what you're hearing the noise about. So apologies for that. Sooner or later, the Lord will keep his promise. The trumpet will sound. The heavens will open. And Jesus will come as promised. And my, will come this time not as a babe in a manger to die on a cross for the sins of humanity, including you and I today, that you and I might know God's great salvation if we would seek him and find him and trust him. But this time he's coming in glory. He's coming in great power. And he's coming with the purpose to take us church home, to take us people home. Friends, that's the blessed hope in these distressing days across our world. What a blessing, blessed hope that that is. God's people can say, this world is not our home. We are a passing through, and our Savior is coming, and he's going to take us home one day, maybe sooner than we think. But with that promise, there comes a challenge for us all, and that challenge is for every one of us, including me, to make sure we're ready when he comes as promised. For he is coming as promised. And he has said it will come in such an hour as we think not. So friends, this morning tell me, are you ready if the Lord was to come to fulfill his promise? Are you saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? And if you are, are you walking and living in such a way that when he comes, you'll not be ashamed? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? There is nothing too hard for him, and we can apply that practically by realizing there is no promise too hard for him to keep in his way as well in his time. Secondly, we can apply that practically by by realizing there is no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. There is no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. In Exodus 14, we find a nation's problem. That humanly speaking was too hard to solve. 
It concerned the nation of Israel. They were on their way out of Egypt. They'd been there for over 400 years or so. And the Egyptian army's pursuing them. And they come to the Red Sea. And they hit a problem that was too hard to solve. How could they get across the deep waters of the Red Sea before them? How could they escape the pursuing Egyptian army that was coming after them? They were at wit's end corner. That's how the Bible describes it. This nation of people faced a problem. This was too hard for them to solve. The question is, was it a problem too hard for the Lord? Well, Moses certainly seemed to think it wasn't because when faced with that situation, he said to the people in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show thee this day. And then, of course, in Exodus 14, 26 to 30, the Lord proves that the problem of this nation was not too hard for him to solve. Many of you, if not all of you, will know exactly what happened, but just for the benefit of some who is not absolutely sure, by his power, by the Lord's power, and by a stretched out arm, he divided the Red Sea until the water stood like two great walls on either side. And if you stood in Port Stewart Beach or Port Rush Beach and you said, the water, the sea is going to divide in two great walls, that's too hard, Raymond. And you're right. But it wasn't too hard for the Lord. And when the Egyptians reached them, the Lord caused the walls of the water to return to see him. All the hosts of Pharaoh were drowned, and the Lord saved Israel, we read in Exodus 14 and 13, that day. Exodus 14 and 30, beg your pardon, that day. Friends, this morning, as we look across our nation, we see big problems. Don't we? Because of the godless spirit of Pharaoh and Egypt, that is still at work against the people of God, and it is at work against the work of God today. We see that spirit in the form of of, of all sorts of isms, atheism and secularism, humanism, transgenderism, just to mention a few of the isms that are sweeping the land, all of which unite to deceive and destroy the minds and the hearts of our generation. And humanly speaking, we could be inclined to think the problem that we face in our nation, that you face even as a church in Faintfield and the surrounding community, is a problem just too hard to solve. And humanly speaking, it absolutely is. However, when we apply the answer to the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord to that situation, we then begin to think very differently. There is no nation. And there are no problems in a nation that are too hard for the Lord to solve. Isaiah 40 and 15 reminds us there, Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as small dust of the balance. And just as God had an answer to the problem in the nation of Israel in the days of the exodus at the Red Sea, He still is the answer to the problem of our nation, and he still has the answer. Hasn't just come yet, but he still has the answer. And God is still on the throne. He is still in control. He still has the ability to roll the sea away. He still has the ability to break through in ways that we might never think of. He still has the ability to revive his work for his glory in our nation. And the reason for that is... There's nothing too hard for him. 
Then in John chapter 2 and 1 to 11, we find a marriage problem that, humanly speaking, was too hard to solve. Concerned a wedding feast in the Cana of Galilee, at which Jesus, his mother, and his disciples were invited. And everything was going really, really well until the wine or the fruit juice ran out. Now, this was a hard problem for the host at that wedding feast to solve. The question is, was it too hard for the Lord? Well, in John chapter 2 and verses 6 to 7, we read, uh, there were six set six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews containing two or three pieces, uh, firkins apiece. And Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And verse 8, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it out. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the bridegroom called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This water was turned into this fruit juice, miraculously. And the Lord solved a problem at this marriage that was too hard to solve. And he can still help to solve problems in marriages that sometimes are too hard to solve. There are times, so to speak, when the wine, and we're not speaking of the alcoholic sort here, let me emphasize, can sort of run out of marriage. And for some, they find that the, the love or the joy or the happiness they once enjoyed is not as it used to be. And they find themselves in a problem and it can be a hard problem and just a bit hard to solve. And that's when we need to apply the answer to the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord to that situation? And when we do, we realize Jesus has the ability to put the wine back into marriage. And again, I mention, emphasize, it's not the alcoholic sort we're thinking of. It destroys so many homes. Mark chapter 5 and 22 to 23, we find a home problem which, humanly speaking, was too hard to solve. It concerned a man called Jairus and his 12-year-old daughter who was ill at the point of death. Humanly speaking, Jairus faced a problem in his home. And I tell you, it is hard. And it was too hard for him to sort it out. Where was he to turn? Well, he obviously must have heard about Jesus and had some measure of faith in what he could do because it was Jesus he turned to. However, just as he did that, the situation in his home gets worse. His daughter's now not at the point of death. She's now actually passed away. You ever found it when you turn over things over to the Lord, things get worse before they get better? Sometimes that can happen. Surely this was now a problem too hard for anyone to solve, and it was. But here again we apply the answer to the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And in Mark chapter 5 and 41 to 42, we find out. Mark chapter 5 and 41 to 42, and there we read these words. Jesus took the damsel by the hand, 
and said unto her, Talai tathai kamei, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. Jairus discovered the hard problem in his home wasn't too hard for the Lord to solve. We could look at other examples this morning. But could it be that someone listening, you're really burdened about the problems in our land? Perhaps a problem in someone's marriage. Perhaps a problem in someone's home. Could be a problem with someone's health. And humanly speaking, it seems too hard to solve. Apply the answer to the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord to that situation? And he still has the ability to reach into the affairs of nations, the affairs of marriages, the affairs of home, the affairs of health. And he can still wonderfully help to solve problems. Not always solve completely, but my, he's a great help. We used to sing a wee chorus, and maybe you sing it still here, I'm not sure. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. He's bigger than all my questions. He's bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain I can or cannot see. There is no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. There is no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. And finally, and I didn't ask what time your service finished at, but we're a wee bit past the half past there, but I'm going on just another minute or two. It might be helpful to some. I just want to mention the point. There is no person too hard for the Lord to see. Luke 7, 36 to 50, a sinful woman is saved. She, had dis- she was a woman of disrepute in the city she lived in, called a sinful woman. She's not the sort of woman maybe that you and I would mix with every day or be seen having a cup of coffee with every day. She was a hard character. But boy, she wasn't too hard for the Lord to see it. Because we discover in Luke 7 and 38, the Lord said to her, thy sins are forgiven. And then in verse 50, he said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Luke 23 and 39 to 43, we find a criminal man is saved. The Roman judicial system had no mercy on him. He was a thief. And he was to be crucified by, he was to die by crucifixion, should I say, for the crime he had committed. And he finds himself on a cross beside another man on a center cross whose name is Jesus. He wasn't dying for anything he had done, but dying for the sins of humanity in love and through substitution. And this criminal cries out, Lord, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He was a criminal. 
but he wasn't too hard for the Lord to see. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And in Acts 9 and 1 to 7, a persecuted man is saved. Saul of Tarsus. If you had a man like that in St. Field, you would think never would you see that man in this church. Never would you see that man in a prayer meeting. Never would you see that man speaking at the lectern or in the pulpit or whatever. You would never see. You would, that's, what, that's what you would think. Saul, he, he persecuted Christians. He persecuted the church. He would have them all arrested. He would have them all um, executed if he could. But the risen Lord caught up with him on the road to Damascus. And the rest is history. Suddenly, Saul is on his knees and he's crying out, Lord, what will I have me to do? And Saul, the persecutor, becomes Paul, the preacher. Perhaps there's someone this morning in the congregation and you're not yet saved. Well, you may be religious but not saved. You may be professing to be but not saved. The Lord is with us this morning. You're not too hard for him. He can save you. But maybe there's someone also this morning and you, you are clearly saved and you know that for sure and you're rejoicing and thanking God for that. But there's someone at home, someone in your family, someone in your family circle, someone in your workplace, and they're not... And humanly speaking, they just seem too hard to get through to. Well, apply the answer to the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord in that situation? And the answer is, there is no person too hard for the Lord to save. There is no door too shut that the Lord cannot open. And there is no heart too hard the Lord cannot suffer. And the Lord is able to reveal himself to people in ways we could never think of. And he can do that in ways and at a time we might never even expect. Why? Because there's nothing too hard for him. I trust that as a result of looking at just various examples in Scripture, of situations and people that were too hard, but were not too far hard for the Lord, that your faith may be enlarged to start believing that still today there's nothing too hard for the Lord. He loved us, died for us, rose again, lives for us, and is coming for us. And before that, he's interceding for us at God's right hand. We're going to sing together our closing hymn just now, please. Thank you. When you feel weakest and dangers surround, and subtle temptations and troubles abound, nothing seems hopeful, nothing seems glad, all is despairing, even times sad. The chorus goes on, keep on believing.